How's everybody doing? Come on, keep that going and welcome all the campuses. Two campuses in Kenya. We're talking about Garner. We're talking about Sanford. We're talking about Hillsboro. We're talking about Wake Forest. We're talking about Durham. We're talking about Columbia, South Carolina. One more time on the count of three. Give it up for everybody. One, two, three. We love you guys at all of our locations. Hey, one of, one of my greatest joys uh, these days, uh, probably been going on for about the last five years or so, is that I love, 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 love um, introducing you to some of the best communicators on the planet and bringing great speakers and friends of mine here to New Hope Church. And today, we got a woman of God in the house of God teaching the Word of God and I am so very excited about this. Let me tell you about um, my friend Jody Hickerson. Uh, most of you know Mike Bro. Mike Bro, he's 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 on staff here. He's a teaching pastor. Love that guy. Well, listen, as they say, the acorn doesn't fall far from the tree. And Jody Hickerson is Mike Bro's daughter. And. Um, yeah, and uh, so I met Mike, as you know, he was my pastor when I was in Kentucky doing my doctoral work, getting ready to start New Hope Church. Mike was my pastor, and Jody grew up in Kentucky, and uh, she grew up and met a man and married a man, and she married a Mike. <laughs> Her dad's a Mike, uh, and she married a Mike, and uh, she has three amazing daughters, 17, 14, and 11, three girls, oh, glory to God. <laughs> and uh, she's about to have one go off to college in a year or so. So she and I were in my office this morning just talking about uh, the joy and the pain that comes with that. But this is a woman who has been at some of the greatest churches in our nation. Southland Christian Church, the one in Kentucky I was telling you about, is an unbelievable church. Then she went to Willow Creek. You've probably heard of that church. She went to Willow Creek and was on staff there. Then she went to Heartland Church. And then nine years ago, she and her husband started a church called Mission Church in Ventura, California, south, uh, I'm sorry, north of LA. And when you hear that, you might think it's like an LA church. Guys, I'm gonna tell you, I went out to Ventura about six months ago. I was at our church and I absolutely fell in love with Ventura. It is, it is nothing like LA, not that there's anything wrong with LA. If you're from LA, I'm just saying. Um, but it feels like a southern, it feels like a, a southeast coastal town. It's right on the beach and some of the, the, the most lovely people you'll ever find. And this this church is rocking and rolling for Jesus. And uh, she's on staff there. Like I said, she helped found it. She's a teaching pastor. She's a program director. And she is an anointed woman of God. And we are some blessed people to have her here today. So I told her about you. She's also heard a lot about you from her dad, Mike. And uh, she's excited to be here. But I told her, listen, these folks love great guest speakers. And uh, you are amongst friends. So New Hope at all of our campuses, do what you do show honor where honor is due and give it up for Pastor Jody Hickerson. Yeah. Wow. Man. Well, wow. Okay, that was the best intro I've ever, I mean, I felt like, like, let's get ready to rumble. Like, here she is. 
she comes. That was amazing. Um, I want to say welcome to all the campuses as well. It is truly just such an honor to be here this weekend. I knew that I would kind of like resonate here at New Hope because our church in Ventura, um, the main tagline of Mission Church is hope for everyone because that's what we believe, right? And so I just knew we were gonna be kindred spirits. Also, I was told that there's no perfect people allowed here at New Hope, so I was like, sweet. I'm gonna fit in just perfectly at this place. Um, but I'm excited to continue in this series, a week four of shoes. Um, but before we really jump in today, let me just ask you this question. Have you ever had one of those moments where you could not believe what just happened happened? You know? I like to call those that just happened moments, right? Where you stand back and you go, okay, that just happened. Try that with me. That just happened, right? Or something, if you're a little more animated like me, I can be like, dang, that just happened. Okay, you can try that one, ready? Dang, that just happened. And there's so many of these moments in the life of Jesus. I mean, can you imagine being one of Jesus' disciples, one of his friends, the day that he took that kid's Happy Meal and then he fed like 5,000 people and they're like, okay, that just happened, right? They're afraid there's a storm on a boat and they wake him up and he's like getting the sleep out of his eye and he's like, peace be still. You know, and the wind and the waves obey him. And now the disciples are terrified. They're like, okay, that just happened. Like, who is this guy? You know when he would touch out and heal the man with leprosy on the street, the whole crowd had to be going, dang, that just happened, right? He couldn't believe that that, that just happened. And that's what we're talking about. That's what we've seen in this series. And that's what we're gonna see today. I just wanna remind us all that these aren't ancient fairy tales. These are real, life-changing moments for real people that had this real encounter with Jesus that changed everything, and I believe that is possible for every single one of us here today. So we've stepped into these shoes, right? Some flip-flops, um, some wingtips, some work boots, and today, we're going to step into the shoes, some stilettos, of a woman who went to a well in the heat of the day, and she was carrying just an empty bucket to get some water. And with every footprint that she left in the dirt that day, she was carrying with her the emptiness of a life, a life where she felt unknown, unworthy, unsatisfied, unfulfilled, and unloved, and Jesus, he put himself seated on the very well she was approaching for a divine appointment in the broad daylight. And so this woman has this very personal encounter with Jesus that we will see turns very public. Starting in uh, chapter four of John, uh, if you have your Bibles or you've got an app or you want to follow along on the screens, um, starting in verse one, it says, the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact he was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Okay, so what's just happening here at the beginning, why Jesus takes this road trip to begin with, is that the religious leaders are trying to stir up some competition between Jesus and you know his weird flip-flop wearing locust eating cousin, right? And Jesus, 
he hears about it and he's like, I'm gonna leave town because I'm not gonna fuel any of this crazy talk. We're not in competition, we're on the same team. And so Jesus decides to take a road trip. But check out verse four. Now he had to go through Samaria. Now there is a lot packed in that little verse. Because the truth is, he did not have to go through Samaria. In fact, no other Jews did. There were other ways around Samaria. Other Jews would just map quest, right, their way around the Jordan River. They'd travel up the east side to avoid having to step one foot in Samaria because Jews despised Samaritans. They saw each other, I don't know if we can relate, as categories. And to each of the thems, they were the us's, right? And I mean, there's some history here. There's some bad blood here that goes way back between these people and now there is very real racial, social, ethnic, religious, cultural conflict and it's tense and this is why Jewish people would always travel around Samaria. They didn't want any part of those people. Samaritans to the Jewish people, they were despised, they were unclean, they were outcast and so Jesus, while everyone else is going around, Jesus went through. And we see this about Jesus, right? Over and over again, when people put up lines to say who can get in and who can't, Jesus goes right through them every time. So he comes to this town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So sixth hour, it's noon. Okay, it's the heat of the day. And that well where Jesus sat would have been a pretty lonely place around noon. Because women in that culture typically would go fill their pots at sunup or sundown when it was much cooler, right? We're in the desert. No one's gonna come at noon in the heat of the day and carry this large jug of water unless, unless you didn't wanna be seen. Unless you didn't wanna walk up and hear the huddles of people whispering, kinda go quiet. Ever had that feeling? And that's our girl coming in the heat of the day. She shows up at this well. And when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. See, I love all of this about Jesus. I love him so much because he breaks all kinds of rules here. I mean, first of all, he sent his disciples into town to buy food that they weren't supposed to eat because it would make them unclean. You know they're like, what is he doing now? Like, what are we got ourselves into now? And then there's a rabbi speaking to a woman. And in this culture, this didn't happen. There wouldn't be a rabbi speaking to a woman, talking to a woman. There was even a school of rabbis, get this, who wouldn't even look at a woman. Like they would close their eyes, if they could see a woman coming into view, they would close their eyes until they thought the woman had passed. And I'm not making this up, they were called the, called the bruised and, and bleeding rabbis because they're forever just bumping into stuff. They're always trying to, oh, they're you know, bumping into everything. So Jesus is different, Jesus valued women. He worked beside women, he elevated women, he looked at her and he talked to her, and he engaged her. And beyond that, this is a Jew associated with a Samaritan. Beyond that, asking to drink from a Samaritan vessel, which would have made him unclean, that a Samaritan hand had touched. 
I mean, he's breaking all the rules. So now step into the shoes of this woman for just a moment, and she's walking up to this well, just trying not to be seen. She's coming in the heat of the day for a reason, right? She's got a reputation, and she's trying to avoid the small town gossip and the stares and the glares from her own community. And then as she's walking up, just minding her own business, there's a guy sitting there at the well. And she notices his clothes, and she's like, oh man, he's a Jew. And you know she's gotta be thinking, man, can I just get a break? Like, are you serious right now? Like, if I hadn't already felt like an outcast, now I'm gonna have to deal with his judgment. I'm gonna get condescending looks from this guy. So can you imagine how shocked she must have been, how her jaw must have dropped when he says, hey, would you give me a drink? The woman was surprised. Hey, you think? For Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. So she says to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. She's trying to point out all the boundaries. Hey, you're crossing them all. Like, why are you asking me for a drink? Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. And there I think in that one little verse, in that one little phrase is one of the things I just wanna camp out on for a moment today. Because what we see and learn about Jesus through this interaction is that Jesus doesn't refuse anyone. I mean, I think it's so cool that before he gets to answering her theological questions, he just meets one of her most human needs. She needed some company. She needed someone who would talk to her and not just about her. She wanted someone that would look at her differently than every man had looked at her. Someone who would refuse, wouldn't refuse her based on her past or her present, or her race, someone who would just sit and accept her. And listen, here's the good news for us today. We have the same Jesus. We have the same Jesus, and his love still breaks through barriers. And he still comes for us, and he doesn't refuse anyone. Maybe you don't know this about Jesus. Maybe you have thought if you were to come to him, you would need to get your life cleaned up first because he would be disgusted by you, or he's still angry with you, or he's so disappointed with you because you keep ending up in the same place over and over again. So you just gotta figure a few things out before you really surrender, before you really come to God. You need to know today, we have a savior who is not afraid to show up right in the middle of the mess. He's not. He is bold enough to deal with your dysfunction. He's fearless enough to walk with you through the addiction. He's heroic enough to lift you up out of whatever abuse you may have known. That's our Jesus. Like, that's our track record. That's what we see when we read through the biographies of his life. That's his reputation. And no one is exempt. No one is refused. No one's gone too far. I mean, I've experienced this, this feeling of like, man, I've gone too far. I can't get back in. And I've wanted to be in. To be in the in crowd. Right, in the loop, in the no, among the proud. Not left out, but to be allowed to be in. I've wanted to be in. To wear clothes that are in style, a trendsetter and versatile, just the right cut and a perfect smile, I have wanted to be in. To be looked at as someone who has much, all the in music on my iPhone, touch, own the latest and greatest stuff and such, I have wanted to be in. But I have felt aggravated 
frustrated, unappreciated, slated as someone who is underrated, unimportant, unknown, unseen, average, mediocre, routine, beneath, below, beyond a chance, inconsequential, insignificant. But Jesus, Jesus, he met people like me. He took notice of a blind man and made him see. Saw a locked up kid and set him free. Told little Zacchaeus to get out of the tree. He felt it when a desperate woman touched his cloak. He kneeled beside a dead girl and up she woke. He hung out with the down and out and broke. Offered hope to the forgotten with just the words he spoke. He touched a man with leprosy who others would mock. Touched the mouths of the mute and at once they could talk. Forgave a woman at a well who was the laughing stock. Came to be the shepherd of a wandering flock. In the company of sinners. That's where he would eat. Defended an adulterer, made her accusers retreat, made followers out of men who were crooked cheats. Let the tears of a prostitute anoint his feet. And suddenly, dramatically, undeniably, they were in. In his truth, in his purpose, in his grace, in his eyes, someone great, and I have wanted to be in. And since the day I met with him, he took all that I had been, all my fear, my shame, my sin, and changed my life by letting me in. Like by the grace of God, I get in. And by the grace of God, you get in too. Man, I am so grateful that Jesus didn't refuse to have anything to do with this people-pleasing, impure, materialistic rebel. But he said, welcome, and he does not refuse you. He wants to meet you right where you're at today. So many times we think we gotta get it together first. We gotta quit those certain sin patterns first. We gotta understand a little more before we can even approach God. No, he is waiting for a broad daylight divine appointment with you today. Empty bucket, empty life, you bring it to him. He will not refuse you. Verse 10, Jesus replied, if you only knew, he says to this woman, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask and I would give you water. I mean, right off the bat, he's going, guess who I am? I'm a giver and I've got a gift and it is beyond anything that you can imagine. It is beyond anything that this world could offer. And she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? I mean, how can you offer better water than he and his sons and animals have enjoyed? She's intrigued, but she like doesn't get it. And aren't you so glad that we have a God who's patient with us when we just don't get it, right? And so Jesus replies, anyone who drinks this water will become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes this fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And I'm not sure if she said this next verse in like a sarcastic tone or like a desperate one, um, but she says, please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And Jesus says to her, go and get your husband. And those words bring their conversation like to a halt. And you know that feeling like the heat begins to rise over her and that lump forms in her throat. And she turns to him and says, I have no husband. 
And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Can you imagine? Like this just got personal. This just got real personal between Jesus and this woman. Everything that she was trying to conceal, Jesus already knew. And listen, we don't know how she ended up in this situation. We don't know how she ended up in these stilettos. I mean, for sure there's some brokenness, right? We, we all have brokenness, and I'm sure five marriages falling apart would be a part of her brokenness. We also know in this culture that a marriage could fall apart for any number of very minute reasons, and the man had all the power to set her aside and she would have no way to provide for herself. So listen, finding another relationship, making herself desirable, getting into another marriage was like a way of survival. But she is not proud of it. And she's also embarrassed that she has been rejected and discarded so many times that nobody wants her. And so now she's just justifying the way that she's living. And she's ashamed. And she's an outcast. Listen, we don't know all of the details, but Jesus did, and he was not afraid to go there. Not to condemn her, but to offer her something better. He already knew it all when he made her the offer. He already knew it all when he sat there to meet her. He already knew it all when he decided to engage her and accept her. And this is so cool about Jesus. He knows our deepest thirst. He goes to those deepest places in her life. He goes right to her shame, right to her guilt, right to her humiliation, right to her place of rejection, to her place of longing. And listen, he does not need a rope or a bucket to get there. And he makes her an offer. Remember back in verse 13 and 14, he said, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but who drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes this fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus was talking about so much more than water, right? He's talking about the presence of God. He's talking about life with God, available to you, ongoing forever. And he knew what she was really thirsty for. And he knew how she was trying to quench that thirst. And haven't you found that our attempts to fill our deepest needs inside of us, they only last a little while when we do it on our own, and pretty soon we're thirsty again. It's why we try to fill our pain with substance abuse. It's why we try to fill our insecurities with weight and image management. It's why we run to internet pornography to fill a need for intimacy. It's why we strive to perform at school or on the field or on the court just to fill this need for acceptance. It's why we fill our wardrobes and spend money on stuff we do not need just to feel important or significant. It's why we power up and lash out to fill the need to have control. It's why we work the long hours and we climb the ladder to fill that need for approval. It's why we chase relationship after relationship after relationship to fill the need to be loved. And listen, those things do not last. They are temporary and they leave us thirsty Again, Jeremiah, God says this in chapter two, verse 13, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. I wanna be your source, God says, 
and they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. It's like that old song we learned in elementary school, right? You remember this song? There's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. Maybe we just learned this in Kentucky, but we had this song. You know, you keep trying to patch the hole and the hole is still there. And listen, I learned this song in elementary school, but it took me about 25 years to really learn it and to go to God and go, can you meet my need? Can you meet my need? You say, why this woman is wondering how Jesus could get to the deep places of this well without a rope, without a bucket. He's reaching deep into the well of her life and he can see her desperate need is to be loved but to be loved with the kind of love that doesn't run out and doesn't run dry, the kind of love that's unfailing. And there is only one source for that, one person that can offer that to us, and that is our living God. Sir, she says to him, I can see you're a prophet. So she's moved from, hey, you're a Jew, to sir, to now something's up with you. I think you might be a prophet. So our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Okay, this is such a cool turn in the story because this is just the raw humanity of this woman. Jesus goes, gets real personal, goes to the deep places of her soul, and she's like, let's bring this back up to the surface for a minute, right? Don't we do this? Don't we dodge? When God begins to get personal, we begin to feel God speaking to us. Even in moments like this, we're like, hey, well, what about this over here? So she's like, let's just take Jews versus Samaritan worship for a thousand, okay? She's trying to dodge. And Jesus is like, okay, I'll I'll talk to you about this. Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes to the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way, For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus says, is it this mountain or that? Neither. Like, the place doesn't really matter. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, and the time has come. Indeed, it is now that it's not only about the Jews. There's no ins and outs. This is for you. This is for everyone. You can get in on this. And the woman looks at him and says, well, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. You know, she's going, you're a prophet and I like what you're saying, but someday our hope, our savior's coming. And when he gets here, he'll explain it all. And then in the only time before his trial to this broken woman, Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. You're looking at your savior. This is not just a rabbi speaking to a woman, a Jew speaking to a Samaritan. This was the Messiah speaking to one that he came for. And you know she had to sit in that moment and go, okay, that just (laughs) happened. So much so that she leaves her water jar, right? She's like, I don't even know why I came here. Everything just changed. She goes back to the town. She says to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Could this be? And they came out of the town. They made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. 
So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you have said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. I mean, what a cool picture. How amazing is that, that this woman, as she begins to have faith, could this be the Christ? As she begins to realize that the God of the universe just had a meeting with her at the well, she leaves her water jar, she goes running back into the town, and the outcast becomes the messenger. Because you see, this is the truth. Jesus can redeem any life. He can redeem any life. I looked up the word redeem because it's such a churchy word. So I'm like, okay, let's just talk about what redeem really means. To make something acceptable, to restore reputation, atone for human sin, or to buy something back. Let me tell you something, Jesus can redeem any life. He went to the cross to atone for human sin, to purchase our freedom, to buy back our wasted years, to restore our reputations and make us into something acceptable. Listen, a woman who didn't want to be seen in public, now she's running into town to tell everybody about Jesus. That's redemption. In a town called Sychar, which literally means falsehood, God chose this woman to declare his truth. And that's redemption. A woman who was known for having five previous husbands and for sleeping around became known as the woman who had met the Messiah, who had met the Christ. And listen, the great news is today, we have the same Jesus, and he is saying to us today, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Full redemption makes me think every time I see that verse of the scene from Dumb and Dumber where he's like, and you totally redeemed yourself, right? We can't totally redeem ourselves. But with God, there is full redemption, not partial, not halfway. This is full redemption, not just enough to make you feel a little less guilty leaving here today. Jesus isn't trying to make you better. Jesus offers to make you new. It is, it is new. It is full redemption. And Jesus is in the business of redeeming lives. It doesn't matter what you've done. He can recycle our mistakes and our pain and our failure and use them. He will buy them back for his good purposes. And if we let him, he can transform our test into a testimony, our mess into a message, and our misery into a ministry. Man, we see that all over scripture. It doesn't matter whose shoes you step into. It's the amazing thing about God. He chooses to use the unlikely to bring about his good. Noah got drunk. Abraham, too old. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused and abandoned. Moses had a speech impediment. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. David that had an affair and then murdered somebody to cover it up. Jonah ran from God. John the Baptist was flat out weird. You know, Martha worried too much. Paul persecuted the church. Peter denied knowing Jesus and Lazarus was dead. And still, God looked at every single one of them and said, you, I'm gonna use you. I got a plan for you. I got a purpose for you. I can redeem any life. And here's the prayer today. Here's the truth today. This woman's story, it could be our story. I mean, today could be a that just happened moment for you. If you encounter Jesus 
And let me tell you something, if it is, it will not be the last, because doing life with Jesus is about ongoing transformation, where all the time you're going, okay, that just happened, okay, now that just happened. He will continue, he will stay with you, he will keep transforming you. I mean, if you are here today, and you think you are just so far off from ever having a relationship with God, you just gotta know, Jesus will not refuse you. He will meet you right where you are today, Whatever emptiness you are bringing, he already knows it. He wants to meet you. Or maybe you're just tired today from having the hole in your bucket, where you just keep going back to the same old things to get that temporary thirst filled and you could begin to believe today that there is a God who could fill that. Your deepest needs, your deepest longing. Or maybe you're sitting here in the room today and you're like, all you're thinking about is broken vows and broken promises and rebellion and wasted years. Just listen, Jesus can redeem any life. And what is shattered in you, he wants to buy it back. He wants to atone for it. He wants to restore you and the reputation that when people look at your life, you are simply known as the one who met with Christ. And he changed everything. Listen, there's an invitation today from the same Jesus. And he says to each one of us, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever here today is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Let me just tell you something that I think could be really cool today because today we're celebrating baptisms. This woman, we stepped into her shoes, she had a very personal encounter that got very public. And I believe that God could just meet you right where you are in this seat here, have a very personal moment with you, that when you walk out, you just go public with that. You get to go public with the community surrounding you, cheering you on, that you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Let me just pray for us. God, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for your spirit. God, I thank you for your promises. God, I thank you for your offer that you've extended to each one of us, that we don't have to go trying to fill our own needs and our own thirst, and God, just walking around this life trying to, trying to meet our needs, but you've said, I've got it, and you've extended it to us, and you've already accepted us, God. God, would, would we just allow you, open our hearts and allow you to meet with us today? We love you so much and we are so grateful for your love and your mercy and your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.